You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, October the 30th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, we're going to make it really quick for you guys because we're recapping that nightmare game in Baltimore, talking about Adam Gaze's Friday presser, and what exactly is the truth behind this Adamic and Sue story currently circulating. But first, I have to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tuned in, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and drop us a five-star rating, write us a nice little review. Subscriptions, ratings, reviews are how podcasters are judged. The more we get, the higher we go up the iTunes chart, the more it exposes us to more Dolphins. Also, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And then lastly, follow me on Twitter at Winkfield NFL and follow the show at Locked On Fins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your current print journalism commentary needs. This week is actually going to be a little bit slower from the podcast. I don't know what the podcast schedule will be for this week. I'm out of town for work for my real job um, that I have to go to, unfortunately. But I'll be getting you guys updates on Twitter as well as the Facebook page. So keep an eye out for that. When future episodes this week are coming up, uh, we'll definitely get the preview for the Oakland game. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to do a film review for the Ravens game just because there's not a lot to look at. I mean, I'll look at the the tape, but I'm not going to really go too in-depth on it because they just played so poorly. So... Keep an eye out for program updates, and we'll let you know on that. And before we jump into the today's show, i got to tell you guys about ProFootballFocus.com, what they're doing for you fans and you listeners for a chance to win your free PFF Edge subscription. You can go ahead and get yourself into that entrance or into the contest to go ahead and win yourself a free PFF Edge subscription by leaving a review on the show on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever they're calling it these days. Leave your Twitter handle in that review. Let us know what you think of the show. We're going to go ahead and pick a winner from that. Uh, we need more participants to pick more winners. So the more you guys write in, the more winners I can give out. But right now, PFF, what they offer is NFL player grade, snap counts, positional ranks. For you fantasy guys, they have projections, rankings, tools, and charts. NFL draft nicks, they have NFL draft covered with PFF profiles and college stats. Team and player pages featuring PFF stats. The PFF Miami page is fantastic. If you follow them on Twitter, at PFF underscore Miami, you find out tons of good notes on coverage snaps or pass rush productivity or offensive line play, just kind of stuff you won't find anywhere else. So check out ProFootballFocus.com and enter today for your chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription. Okay, guys, so I wrote down five takeaways. As you know, for the Sunday show, I typically do five takeaways from the game. But since they played on Thursday and some time has kind of passed, and I think that no one really wants to get too much into the 40 to nothing beatdown in Baltimore as the Ravens once again make the Dolphins their daddy. Uh, just another poor performance by the Dolphins on a short week. And Adam Gaze coming out in his press conference and made a lot of really interesting comments. And if, you know, if you've if you watched Adam Gay's press conferences throughout his one and a half years here, you'll notice that he really stands by his players. He defends his guys. You know that with Jay Cutler. He did with Ryan Tannehill last year. He will always take the back of his guys and you know take it on himself and that kind of thing. But he went the opposite route and he was calling out mental errors, poor routes, bad job by the backs. He said, we got to stop trying to hit home runs every time. It's not that hard. Just do your job. He says, of course, the offensive line could do better, but at least they're doing things the right way. They can't block the running backs guys too. And so he's coming after Damian Williams, who had a really bad game on on Thursday, coming after Jay Ajayi, who's had, you know, not a lot of chances to get things going, but he also hasn't had the big runs either. So for him to kind of go out on a limb and make those statements. I think he's trying to shift the way his team's mentality is right now and, and kind of thinking that maybe they think they're better than they really are. And he's trying to kind of give them a, a little bit of a boost in that sense. And I just get a little bit frustrated sometimes seeing, you know, the Twitter comments talking about how Adam Gaze should be fired or that Adam Gaze doesn't know what he's doing or his this offensive genius that we supposed to, we were supposed to have hired is not doesn't know what he's doing or he's making these wrong play calls. Guys, it's, it's pretty simple to see that the offense is not executing the play calls when they're there. 
And with the offensive line breakdowns, the quarterback play, the running back play being what it was, the receivers not knowing the offense after two years, as Adam Gaze mentioned in the press conference as well, it's he says he has to dial it back. As, he can't dial it back any further than he has for these guys to be able to understand it. And so they're going to start playing the guys that do get the offense. And whether or not the fan base likes that or not, it's tough for them because he's going to do what he has to do to make this team win. And it's not like this guy just forgot how to coach offense overnight. Peyton Manning once called Adam Gaze the smartest guy that he knows. Peyton Manning is known for running the most intricate offense in NFL history, and Adam Gaze was his right-hand man, the guy that was doing install with him and input and letting him know what he sees. And, and Peyton Manning trusted nobody more than Adam Gaze in that sense. So to think that Adam Gaze all of a sudden doesn't know how to coach offense or call plays, it's really it's really juvenile and really silly. So just stick to the plan, trust the process. He'll he'll get it figured out. Maybe it's got to be new guys coming on the offense next year. Maybe got to get the quarterback back. Got to get a new offensive line built in. And let's go ahead and lead into that next segment and talk about how bad this offensive line has been. And he kind of had their backs in that press conference, like I mentioned. But at the same time, the play has just been so bad. I think that you're going to have to go ahead and fall on your sword in this instance, Adam Gaze, in terms of building an offensive line. And that's something that he has talked about, that offensive line or offensive guard play in particular isn't something this offense really requires great play at. And you can kind of get cheaper level players to kind of fulfill this role that they have where they block pass block for two seconds and they're responsible for this outside zone where they really just have to be able to find the right, they have to be in the right place at the right time and get out there and find a guy and get a body on them. But that plan didn't work. It, it, it hasn't worked at all. The interior of the offensive line is a mess. Jesse Davis and Anthony Steen at left guard, not, not been a good situation. Mike Pouncey's been really bad this year at center. And Jermon Bushrod's been a tire fire at right guard. The tackles are good players. Larry Tunzel has not had a, you know, he hasn't transitioned the way you would hope he would have left tackle this year. I think that playing him at left guard probably slowed down that development a decent amount. So I'm not really, to, really ready to punt on Laramie Tunzel by any stretch of the imagination because he's a, he's a very talented football player and he's a very good football player and he'll get it back to being the way he was down at Ole Miss and last year at guard even. He's just not doing that right now. Juwan James is a guy that they're going to have to re-sign at right tackle. He's a good player and bring him back and get him set there. But the guys on the inside, the three interior linemen, Something's got to change. I don't know what it's going to be. I think you got to try Isaac Asiata at this point, see what you have in him. And maybe he's, you know, he's going to whiff a lot. He's going to have some bad plays. But what is what's different than what you're getting now, right now, with that, with those bad blocks inside and the whiffs and the complete mental uh, mental errors and missed assignments? Isaac Asiata brings a little bit of a, a grinder, like a, a road grader mentality to the game. And he will be nasty and he'll hit guys and he'll, he'll play with that edge. And if you have that, that might improve the offense a little bit. And it, it certainly isn't going to make them much worse than they are right now. So I think that's your first move you can make. You can kind of look at some things with Ted Larson when he comes back off of the injured reserve, comes back to play with the Dolphins after week eight, and uh, or after their eighth game, I should say. And so you have some options there. We'll see what happens. But I think next year you have to look at kind of just redoing that whole that whole offensive line and restructuring your philosophy in terms of how you evaluate offensive guards and center play. All right, this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL on Twitter, at Locked On Fins to follow the show. And we actually just reopened the Facebook page there too, so you can go ahead and follow the Facebook page and we'll, we'll have updates for shows and stuff on there for you guys. But Locked On Dolphins podcast, we're going to get into the segment here, talking about the fan base and officiating, as well as Ndamukong Sue in just one second. All right, welcome back into the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I talked about the fan base a little bit in the first part of the show, and I, I think that... What really is irritating me lately, and it's it's mostly a social media thing. I know it's not the best place to get your intel from, but just seeing the way fans interact on Twitter, I mean, that's kind of how fans connect with any team or any league or any sport, whatever it is, across the you know sports landscape. And seeing all these fans that are just so up and down with the results every single week. I know that every game in the NFL is huge, and you need to win as many of them as you can, and every win is important, every loss is important. But to go from like Adam Gaze being a coach of the year candidate one week to being a guy that they need to replace the next week is just so insane and so 
that negative mentality doesn't do you any good. And I, I mentioned this after the loss to the Saints and how the Dolphins were going to come back and beat the Titans and everyone's going to get back on board. And it wasn't a pretty game, but they did beat the Titans. They got to 2-2. Two and two, And then the Atlanta win was a big one that everyone really kind of fell in love with. And the Jets game obviously was big too. But it's you just got to remember that every game in this league is a, its own entity and it's not... Things don't carry over from week to week. I mean, you are the same team in the same, in a certain sense, but every single team puts out 16 different products every single year. And so this game on Thursday, the, the Dolphins just are not a good team on Thursday games. They've struggled in those Thursday games for a long time. It's a tough task to go on the road and on a short week and with just three days to prepare. I mean, typically Mondays are players like rest days in terms of just they go back into the, into the facility and they watch the film, but they don't do anything physically. They might have a light lift, but they're not going to go out and hit or put pads on. And then Tuesday is a complete off day where they don't do anything. They, they have the whole day to themselves. And then Wednesday is when you start putting in preparation for the game and start doing film work and, and install the game plan. And when you come back from a, a Sunday and have a short week on a Thursday, that process starts on Monday. So there is no rest time. So for the road team to have to travel on Wednesday night makes it even tougher for them. And I know that road teams have been pretty well on Thursday football, Thursday night football this year, but it's just such a tall task. And to, to see a 40 to zero is never good. And the way they got beat was, is never a good thing, but to see it taken so seriously and so damning to the head coach and to the organization, everyone on the team needs to be fired and all this stuff. It's just such an overreaction. And I, I would, I would implore you guys just to, Keep it in perspective. Think about where this team has come from, where they've you know where they've been the last 10, 15 years, and where they are now. And Adam Gaze is fourteen and nine in his career as a coach, which is is more than getting it done as a rookie head coach, thirty eight years old, inherited a team from Joe Philbin that was just kind of a it was really getting to the end of a an era where they really were wearing out their welcome. So for him to inherit that roster and that team and have the success that he has, it's just something that you should be excited about and not get so down over one loss. So it's one game, they're four and three, they're in a position to, they're still tied for the sixth wild card spot in the AFC right now. So they're still in a position to make moves up the standings and get into the postseason. I don't think that you're looking at a postseason team. I never thought that. Once Ryan Tannehill went down, I thought the season was pretty much lost. But to have them respond to go four and three with all the circumstances and everything that's gone on, it's really impressive. So just chill out. It'll, it'll be fun. We'll see what happens the third, on Sunday night game against the Raiders. See if they can get to 5-3 and three for the first half of the season, which would be a, on pace for a 10-6 record. So all this doom and gloom surround the team, yet here they are 4-3, and three, and they'll be just fine. All right, last topic I want to talk about here before I get out of here tonight, guys, is the Indomitian Sioux story that broke this morning, I guess, by Jason Lockenfor. And if you guys follow Jason Lockenfor, I know what his kind of reputation is around the league as a, as a story breaker a reporter, insider, whatever you want to call it, is that he's not often right. He's usually wrong. And in this case, I believe that's the 100% the case here because Indominus Sue is kind of embraced the whole Miami culture. He's a defensive captain. The, the guys look up to him. Stephen Ross even considered called him someone that he considers to be like a son. So like a very close relationship there. He has a good relationship with Adam Gaze, the defensive coordinating staff, the defensive coordinator and staff, the teammates, everything around him. Indominus Sue is a big part of this football team. He's not going to go anywhere. The, the contract is a little bit overwhelming in terms of seeing that figure and how it kind of spikes up next year but they have ways of working around that kind of stuff Mike Tannenbaum is a contract guru they'll get it figured out they'll restructure the things they have to they cut Byron Maxwell already to get that that roster off the or that uh contract off the books I should say rather they can do some things next year with Ryan Tannehill's contract so plenty of wiggle room to make things happen and Donald Kinsu one of the most dominant players in the league plays 90% of the snaps just about every single week at defensive tackle which is super rare so he's out there all the time he dominates when he's out there he creates so many opportunities for Cam Wake and the rest of the defensive line it all revolves around Sue you lose him you go down to Jordan Phillips Devon Godshaw and Vincent Taylor which are good players I like all three of those players but they are so much better in second third and fourth roles if you put two of those guys starting in the game and then third guy the rotation guy that's when you're going to have 
a big leak, a big leak in the run defense. So to get rid of Donald Kinsu would just be asking for trouble on this defense, and it's not going to happen. So don't trust that report. Trust you know, trust what you know of the Dolphins and what Donald Kinsu means to this team. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. I do apologize for being a little bit short and a little bit uh, out of energy, if you will. I had a long weekend, and I'll be back this week later for, for, with some more shows. And like I said, I'll have the schedule out on Facebook as well as Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL, and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football.